Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another episode of the TSN MMA Show Interview Edition. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and we've got a lot of interviews to get to from this week, so let's get right to them. First off, we've got an interview with Rory McDonald, the Red King, heiress, whatever you'd like to call him. He is uh, in the main event against Curtis Millinder for the uh, second PFL event of the year, trying to make a million dollars by winning the welterweight tournament. His first time back in the cage since uh, the last fight of his Bellator contract where he lost uh, the welterweight title to uh, Douglas Lima. So it's uh, nice to see Rory McDonald back in the cage after having to take a year off due to the PFL taking a year off. Now he's back, headlining a great card, one of the uh, marquee names of the PFL, and uh, happy that he was able to join us. We'll also be joined by Dominic Reyes in the main event of this weekend's UFC Fight Night card uh, against Yuri Prokashka. You know, he kind of admitted he was in a bad state of mind going into that last fight. Hopefully he can shake off those cobwebs and uh, deliver on his hopes to one day become the UFC light heavyweight champion. The co-main event, Cub Swanson had a great chat with Cub. Uh, he recently made some comments, uh, probably a couple months back, about uh, members of the mixed martial arts media he felt should have three amateur fights or three fights of some sort before they cover the sport. We uh, kind of dove into that and uh, some of the nuance that was missing in uh, that tweet, given that uh, a tweet is only so many characters, but it was nice uh, getting to pick his brain on that one. Uh, very interesting and uh, introspective individual. Always enjoy speaking with Cub. Also, Benil Dariush, another guy that uh, I really like to talk to, one of the nicest guys in the sport, who will be facing Tony Ferguson at uh, UFC 262, which is coming up in uh, just a matter of weeks. Uh, a great card headlined by Charles Oliveira taking on Michael Chandler, but uh, Dariush, uh, one of the up-and-coming 155-pounders on a win streak right now, trying to get into title contention in perhaps the most crowded division in the sport. Then we will talk to Mirab Dawalashvili, who's also on the card this weekend. He'll be taking on Cody Stamen. And the uh, lone Canadian on the card, KB Bullard, back in action, taking on Andreas Michalidis in the uh, prelims of the UFC Fight Night card. And finally... You know, we had uh, some great action this past weekend at the UFC 261, but uh, only one fight, one fight of the night, and it was the second fight on the card in the prelims. You, if you started watching early, you certainly were in for a treat. Jeff Molina joins us uh, after his win over Iori Killeng in a fantastic fight, uh, and definitely worthy of a fight of the night status. Landed 125 significant strikes in just the third round alone. That's a pretty impressive stat. And he is an impressive young man. You will learn that from hearing this interview with Jeff Molina. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Let's get to the interviews. We'll start off with Rory McDonald, who joins us now on the TSN MMA Show. I'm now joined by Rory McDonald, who will be facing Curtis Millinder at the uh, PFL tournament this coming Friday. Uh, oh, is it, is it Thursday? Sorry, let me start that again. It's Thursday, right? It's on th is it Thursday that it's on, Rory? Yeah, it's Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Okay. It's, this uh, video is going in and out, but we'll we'll make it work. Yeah. All right. I'm now joined by Rory McDonald, who will be facing Curtis Millinder this Thursday in the main event of the PFL's tournament. You were supposed to face David Mashad. I guess he had uh, some sort of medical uh, situation that's going to, I guess, force him to retire from the sport. It's a real shame. Yeah, yeah, it is a shame. He, um, 
he has a heart condition, so he's uh, he's not able to be cleared for the fight. But luckily, Curtis was able to step in late, and uh, and we got the fight. So I'm happy. I feel like we've got a different Rory in this situation. You know, I watched your press conference recently. I've been listening to a lot of what you're saying, and it seems like uh, you've got a bit of a different mentality going into this one than you have uh, previous fights. Am I right on that? Yeah, I've kind of like hit the refresh button at the beginning of 2020 and uh, made some changes in my life and in my training. And I feel like I'm because of those changes that I've made over the past year, I'm a lot better for it. And I'm really hungry to go out there and, and show all my hard work. What are some of those changes? Obviously, we know you're now training at Sanford MMA in Florida. You've, you've left Montreal. But uh, any other changes in your life that uh, have helped you on this path? Yeah, I've been uh, just. I had to sit down with myself and under like understand why I was doing this anymore. You know, I I kind of from the Musasi fight all the way to when I fought Lima the second time. I was kind of not focused, and uh, I think I was just a little too comfortable, and I wasn't putting in enough work. I wasn't focused. I wasn't passionate for the sport. I didn't really have a goal besides winning and getting some, you know, the money and stuff and living my lifestyle that, you know, I've been able to live because of the sport. So I had to get back down to kind of why I'm doing this. And like, if I want to keep doing it, what do I, where do I want to go? I want to, I needed to set a goal. I needed to find my why. And I was able to do that. And then from there, I, uh, I needed to make a plan on how I was going to get to these goals. And that started with the, was putting in the work, you know, and, and then from there, what type of work, you know, how am I going to, how, what do I need to address in my training? And, and then it also in my mental game, how am I going to strengthen and harden my mind? So, uh, it's been, uh, kind of like a full self-examination and refreshment as far as my career and getting back on track and you know being the best fighter I can be so what is that why then you know what was the thing that you determined is going to uh, put you on the path to success my why why do I do this sport uh, several reasons you know I want to be the best welterweight in the world that's my goal um, that's that's also my why um, and then for my family I want to you know, I want to show them, you know, what a, a hardworking man does. You know, I want to give them an example to look up to. I don't want to be a lazy uh, loser dad that, you know, had the ability but didn't go didn't go and give it its full effort. So that's another reason. Um, you know, also financially I have some goals in some wise. Um, but uh, mostly it's it's my personal passion to become the best and which i believe is my destiny there was a time where you delved very deeply into religion and it was a big part of your life is it still just as big a part of your life and you just kind of uh compartmentalized it with, with what you're doing no it's the biggest part of my life my uh you know my lord and savior jesus christ is my foundation and uh i think that's 
why I had my fall from grace is because I let go of that. You know, I had a, I felt like I had a calling in my early years and I let go of that for, you know, living a lifestyle that I wanted going my own way and uh, seeking, you know, selfish pleasure and whatever I wanted to do. And I just kind of abandoned my faith and my kind of like pull that I was getting from, from God in my teen, teenage years. Um, and, uh, I think that was a big, a big part of my downfall in this sport. And now that I, I got humbled in a lot of ways, um, the Lord's kind of like reconfirmed my destiny. And uh, I just got to stick with, with him. I got to put in the work and, uh, you know, there's no, there's no substitute for hard work. You know, and this, it's not like I could just say, oh, you know, because of my faith that uh, God's going to take me to the top. It's not just that. It's also, you know, he's showed me that I, I got to work for it. You know, I got to I got to put in the time and the effort and uh, push towards that goal. But also at the same time, remain humble and remain, uh, you know, with my faith in the Lord. I spoke to Benil Dariush earlier today, actually, and he's uh, also uh, a man of, of deep faith. And, uh, you know, the way that he found, uh, you know, his path towards spirituality is very similar to yours. He just, he was going through a really tough time, and he, he basically said, you know, if, if you're really there, show me. And, and all of these doors started to open for him, is, is what he was telling me. Um, and he, he had mentioned to me that he had heard you talk about how you were having some trouble rationalizing uh, competing in mixed martial arts with, your faith because you know the, the goal of course of, of what your your occupation is is to hurt another person and he kind of talked me through how he uh rationalizes it now and and he also said that he had some some dark parts of his career where he was kind of uh having some inner conflict so so how did how did that change for you and uh, now that you you know have had god as a big part of your life for some time when you go into a fight how has your rationalization changed i feel like this was what the Lord had skilled me in. This is because I, I had, you know, um, after the John Fitch fight and kind of up until like the Lima fight, I was thinking about all this, like, you know, am I supposed to be doing this? Or, you know, did I just lose my passion for the sport? Did I get too comfortable? And I've come to the conclusion that, that the Lord, you know, I, I look back at my life too and where I came from. It's not something I talk about publicly or anything. And I come to the realization that God blessed me with this opportunity and this skill set. He gave me the skill set in the sport to escape a life of what, you know, people, you know, people kind of considered me to be, I wouldn't be successful, put it that way. And, I think the Lord seeing my heart and, and the position that I was in, and that I was in a, that I was kind of a, a lonely kid with nothing in my life, no passion anymore, and He gave me this to escape that and have a good life, and uh, and that and that's when that destiny kind of came in that I, to be you know the best the best in the world. Um, so I'm just kind of sticking to that that um that 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 script you know that i feel that this 
this career is is a blessing from God and this is what I was meant to do and I could use that to uh, this platform that I have to also you know spread my tell my um what would you call that um my story with the Lord and uh and also just tell tell people about the good news and uh in hopes that they would be saved and Benil had also mentioned to me that uh when he goes into a fight, he doesn't think about it, you know, as a, as a, as hating his opponent. He thinks about it as, you know, and he doesn't think about it as violence. He thinks about it as two people that have chosen to compete in this particular avenue, and that uh, that's not violence because you're not committing violence upon somebody who is also uh, there for the same reason. Is that kind of how you think of it now, or do you think of it a little bit differently than that? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like my same mindset I had as a teenager. It's competition um just like any other sport um that's kind of how i i started it in in martial arts and and fighting professionally it was a it was a competition for me never really was a like a street tough guy or anything like that um but uh that's kind of you know i i reaffirmed in myself like that's kind of my mindset is in this sport, you know, it's, it's com- competition. It's not a street fight. It's not about being a, you know, a badass or anything like that. I could still be myself, a humble version of myself and just go out there and, and do what the Lord has skilled me in. Did you get a chance to watch this past weekend's UFC pay-per-view with, uh, of course, the zero weight class? And we had uh, Jorge Masvidal taking on Kamaru Usman. I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that fight if you got a chance to watch it. Yeah, Kamara looked great. I thought it was a great performance. He seems to be getting better at each each time he fights. Really impressed with him. It's funny when you came to TSN. Uh, this was a while back. You came with Faraz, and um, it was right after Kamara who had won the Ultimate Fighter. And I said to Faraz, "I go, have you watched? Did you watch the season of the Ultimate Fighter?" He said, "No." I go, "There's this guy named Kamara Usman. He reminds me so much of GSP." Just like the, the way that he uh, the way that he uses the stand up to set up his takedowns and uh, and how successful he is with that, uh, and now I'm here starting to hear people talk about how Kamaru might be the greatest welterweight of all time. Uh, I think people are probably jumping the gun in that sense. But how far along do you think he is before people start uh, you know having that conversation seriously? Because I think a lot of people believe George is the greatest of all time. Period. So if Kamaru is the greatest welterweight of all time, then I guess you're probably saying that he's in the in the conversation for being the greatest ever. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's in the talks yet, but. He keeps on going like he has. He's gonna be, you know. He's uh, he seems to be very dominant right now, but that can all change in one fight, you know. So one fight at a time, and uh, and we'll see. But um, he's got a he's got a long ways to go before he gets to George's uh, kind of what he accomplished in the division. But he's, you know, obviously he's a great champion and he's doing great. Is it just the title defenses? Like, is that is that all he needs, you think? Like, five, four or five more title defenses? And you think we, we start to put him above George? I mean, what, what what does he still need to do to get to where, where George is at in terms of, you know, the hollow ground of, of uh, MMA lore? Well, you know, I think it it's comes to up. You know, with the performance, like he's been very dominant. So, you know, that really helps things. Like George was very dominant in his fights. Um, I do like the fact that Kamaro fights very often. 
and uh, he's a he's a busy champion. He's in there fighting a lot, so that also plays a big part of it too. You know, George's reign kind of went a very long time because he didn't fight that often. But um, I don't know. I I guess you kind of just it's a feeling every individual kind of has to make for themselves. But I still think it's a little early to say that. But he's on, he's on his way. The guy that I thought would have the best chance of beating him was actually Gilbert Burns, who I imagine you've been training with. Have you been able to get in some rounds with Gilbert? A little bit, yeah. I mean, he had, when I first got there, he was just going to the fight, getting ready for the finishing his training camp. And uh, when he came, and when I was finishing, he was just kind of kind of coming back in a training. We crossed paths a little bit, but um, not too much. But yeah, he's he's very good, and I I thought the same thing. He was going to be a a hard test, and tomorrow did it did his thing. Are you kind of following the uh, the footsteps of George by putting together kind of a super corner for this week? Is Faraz there? Henry Hooft? Like who who's in your corner for this week? Uh, Faraz will be here, and um, Stephen McDonald. He's a training partner out of Toshido MMA. My regular like who would be in my corner? My coaches. Most of them couldn't come because of the quarantine and the Canadian, everything that's going on, going on in Canada, crossing the border, the hotel thing, the, the home quarantines, and then obviously ha- they have their own businesses and families and stuff. So it just became impossible for them to make it. And nobody from Sanford uh, came down uh, to represent you as well? Uh, no, there's a lot of fighters that Henry and all the guys are coaching, and they couldn't they couldn't um, fit it in the schedule. But um, I have everything I need. That kind of oh, Faraz a phone call. I I saw him uh, talk on YouTube about how his gym, you know TriStar gym is being t- targeted uh, by the police because uh, of I guess one of the co co inhabitants of the building is constantly complaining about uh, about Faraz and about the gym. Yeah, yeah, they're they've always been kind of after after the gym because of the parking spots. Kind of a weird situation to be honest, but they've been ter- they've been taking advantage of this whole COVID thing to try to cause some problems for Faraz. It's really annoying. And I guess Faraz was going to report them because he says that they're they're you know um, operating at maximum occupancy or above maximum occupancy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the full story. I haven't been able to talk to him about it yet. Well, just go on but, YouTube. Faraz is very open with the story. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm sure uh, he's got he's got his uh, he's got um, his points to be made. Uh, I think they just really want him out of the building so they can take over. Really lame. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like a really. Bad, I mean, annoying circumstance, you know, to, to be frank. It seems like uh, they, the police have been there upwards of 16 times because they keep getting called by uh, these these other uh, occupants of the building. So hopefully that gets shored up soon, and hopefully you're able to get back to Canada and uh, and do some training uh, back at uh, TriStar. So what's the biggest difference between training at TriStar and training at Sanford? Uh, I would say that there's so many guys my size at Sanford. Um, their facility, they have a lot of things there, like they have room they have a full gym it's state-of-the-art everything's new and um, the way they run this the classes are different it's quite a different setup but um, you know 
I uh, I like both, as well as my my gym back out west at Shido MMA. Don't forget about don't forget about them and Dave. Yeah, and, and one of them is coming to uh, to represent you in your corner, which is nice. And uh, hopefully you'll have a taste of uh, taste of home cooking uh, in your corner for this weekend as a result, or this Thursday rather as a result. Now we talked UFC, but let's talk PFL. Last week was an upset laden week. To start off the season, we saw Schultz lose, uh, we saw Lance Palmer lose, and we saw Anthony Pettis lose. That was a, a shocking turn of events. And the great thing about the PFL is, like, it's so easy to get redemption. You know, like, if, if you lose like that in another promotion, it's like you're way down in the rankings now. Um, you know, those guys, so, you know, let's say Pettis lost to Clay Collard, and Clay Collard was ranked 14th or unranked in the UFC. It takes a long time to get your way back. But in the PFL with the standing system, you know, it's a very, uh, very clear path for Anthony Pettis to still win the tournament. Do you like that about the PFL? And uh, what, what were your thoughts on the first week? Yeah, um, I thought that some of the champions didn't fight to their potential. Unfortunately, sometimes that happens. Can't always be at your best. So that's feel bad for them. But, you know, congratulations to the winners that, you know, Clay, I thought was very surprising. He brought the fight to him and had a great fight. Um, but as far as the standings and stuff, I think it's, I think it's an interesting concept. It really, it really makes you think about, you know, as rankings legit, you know, in MMA, uh, there's, there's so many factors in mixed martial arts and guys who aren't even on the radar one day can beat a guy like Pettis the next. And, uh, it's, it could be an eye opener just, you know, because of the media and the, the attention behind things and the ranking system, people really get carried away with that, that these guys can't be beaten. But um, sometimes someone brings a, a, a hard fight to you and you're not expecting it and they could take you out. So it's kind of a cool setup. Uh, also the fact that, yeah, like you said, you could get redemption, you know, like, Pettis is not he's not out of it. He's got a he's got another fight in uh seven weeks and he can go uh into the playoffs potentially and go on to win if he if he gets enough points. Yeah, imagine they had lottery tickets like that. You buy a Powerball ticket and they're like, Well, you didn't win this week, but uh you you're automatically able to qualify again for like the next two weeks and we'll see how you do. That would be that would be a lot of fun. More people would buy lottery tickets, but uh that's the beauty of the PFL. It's not, you know, a million dollars is still within the reach of of all these guys. Uh, you know, you have one bad night at the office, and that happens to mixed martial artists. Some, day, some days, you, like you said, you don't fight up to your skill level. Whatever might be stopping you that, that week or even that day, something can go, go wrong, and it can, it can cost you the whole thing. Totally, yeah. And uh, a lot of people have been asking you this about uh, training at Sanford. You've been training a little bit with Robbie Lawler. Um, and a little bit of backstory. I, was, uh, I had a different job at the time, but I was at TSN, and I was uh, walking around with, with you and Robbie, uh, when you guys were doing the media tour in Toronto, uh, also in the building was Aldo and uh, and McGregor and uh, and Dana White, and uh, Aldo and McGregor couldn't be anywhere near each other. And then when I had you and Robbie together, you guys were just sitting in the in the green room with a you know hanging out talking. You guys are just two different kinds of guys, you know. That, that that's why I loved uh, you know the lead up to that fight because it was just very like cordial with you guys. And then of course ends up being one of the greatest fights of all time. Yeah, yeah, no, Robbie's a pretty chill guy. Very humble and down to earth, easy to talk to. So I kind of feel like I'm the same kind of person. And like I was saying before, it's it's a sport, it's a competition, it's not a street fight. So try to keep it respectful and 
we just do our business. Do you, do you ever go back and watch that fight? Like, have you gone back and watched it at all? Yeah, yeah, I've watched it. Not in a while. It's not something I do often, but I've seen it. I think the thing that made that fight so special, and it's not something that people talk about that often, is the range. Like, you guys were hitting each other at the very end of your punches for, like, rounds at a time. And I've just, I've never seen anything really like that before or since. It's just, you guys had basically the same range that, that um, allowed you guys to really inflict the most damage upon each other. And both of you guys were willing to allow the other person to, to do that in basically a test of wills. Yeah, it was a hard fight. <laughs> I don't know what to do you, is that is that something that you pride yourself on though? Is is being effective at that particular range? Is that something that we're going to see when you face uh, Curtis Melinger? Because he's extremely rangy. No, I, I don't feel like I fought very smart in that fight, to be honest. What what would you change if you could go back? If you if you could game plan for Robbie again? Because I mean, the the chances of you guys fighting again, I think, are pretty low at this point in time, given that you're in different uh, promotions and Robbie's, I think, is is probably has three four fights left. What would you change if you could go back and, and re you know redo the game plan? I'd try to wrestle him more like I did the first fight. I was more successful in our first fight. All right. Well, it's a pleasure uh, catching up with you, Rory. Best of luck against Curtis Millinder. Uh, it's the PFL this Thursday, the main event, uh, as part of the welterweight tournament. Appreciate your time. Best of luck winning that million dollars. All right. Thank you, sir. And now joined by the devastator Dominic Reyes, who's in the main event this weekend against Yuri Prokhashka. Uh, you're back in action. You know, I watched uh, the UFC Destiny piece uh, that, that you guys did, and it seemed like you were in a really bad place going into your last fight. Uh, I'd love for you to tell me exactly what was going on because it, you didn't look like yourself in the cage. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't an ideal situation all the way around. Um, I changed up camp. I uh, it was a short notice fight. I, dad was sick there was a lot going on man I, I had a broken nose going into the fight I was just yeah sometimes you gotta do things you don't want to do and you and you probably shouldn't do and you do them anyway and you learn lessons well, there's one thing I, I would love for you to expand on is you talked about how you were doing it for the belt but you weren't doing it for yourself can you uh, can you walk me through what, what you mean by that yeah I was just trying to uh, win you know, I was, I was, I was fighting not to lose. I was, uh, I was, a, I wasn't just fighting to enjoy fighting and enjoy the process and, and getting better and doing badass shit in the octagon. You know, it was, I had to win the belt. It was just about the belt. It, it wasn't, and it was not even about winning a belt. It was about not losing and just going out there like, oh, you're better, so win. You know, instead of enjoy this. Was there a moment before the fight where you feel like you might have been mentally broken? Not not in the cage, but just beforehand where you were thinking, this this might not go my way. I, I just, I'm not feeling the same way I normally do going into a fight. Uh, even if I was feeling that way, I, I told myself I was fine. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm in a title fight either way, and I'm, I'm, I showed up, so you gotta do what you gotta do. How often do you think you would beat uh, Jan Bojovic in a fight if you were if you were on that night? Uh, he's obviously proven to be a great champion. Uh, he had that great win over Israel after uh, he, he beat you to become the champion. But how often do you believe that you would beat him in a fight, you know, out of 10 times, as long as your mentals are on? I mean, who's to say, you know, it's, it's a fight. It's always 50-50. But uh, I felt like I could have won that fight. Uh, even that night, I mean, 
or whatever. I, I don't I don't like to say, oh, I would have beat him this many times or this many times, but it's it ended up the way it is, and it is what it is. So I, I, there's no point, there's no sense in talking about what might have happened. So with this fight against uh, Yuri Prokashka. Do you consider this to be something of a high-risk fight? Because I don't think a lot of people that follow the UFC, at least the UFC exclusively, know much about him. Um. So yeah, Yuri, he's he's number five. You know, he earned, he earned his spot. He's what twenty-seven and three overall. I mean, bottom line, he's top five. I'm number three. It's a fight that makes sense, and uh, I'm excited for it. Is he a difficult guy to train for? He's somebody who uh, does a lot of creative, kind of wacky things in there. Um, initially it was tough, you know, kind of figuring out the rhythm and, you know, what he's doing and what he's, the rhyme or reason for what he's doing. But, uh, we have, a, we have a great grasp of what's, what, what's going on now. Initially it was, it was, it was tough, but, uh, we're good now. Where did you do most of your training for this particular fight and how did the camp go? I did all my training at home in California. Um, and it was a good camp. Uh, it went how a camp should go it started off you know not so great and it ended fantastic you know i peaked right at the right time i'm actually peaking now so it's gonna be a good night <laughs> who are you working with primarily for this camp uh, my brother danny um i'm working at dan hendo's sparring over there with jared and, and sam Elvey and just the guys over there and my uh trainer aj my friend and everything's going well man was this your first camp you did in temecula I didn't do it in Temecula, I did it in Asperia. And I always do my sparring and everything down in Temecula. Okay, so so that a lot of this was, was not uh, new to you necessarily. This was just, no. okay, so the same same location as usual. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, now, in terms of, of Yiri, um, what do you think is his best attribute? Like, if you were to say he's great at one thing, what do you think it is? Uh, he's, he's great at, uh, I think his mental is his strongest attribute. Um, he's He's got the samurai code, you know, he's, he lives to fight, and uh, and, he's, and he's very athletic. You know, he's, he's good, unpredictable movement, I think, would be his best attribute. So, yeah. Have you met him yet? No, I have not. Okay, so he's not somebody who you've been uh, you've been face-to-face -face with yet? No. I'm curious what you think of the situation with John Jones. So you're the last guy to face him. It's been a while since he's been back in the cage. Uh, it seems like the super fight with him and Francis is not going to happen. He's going to be on the shelf for a little bit longer. Yeah, you know, that's his business. He's, he's going to do what he's going to do, and he's going to do it how he's going to do it. I can't, I, I don't want to say I called it, but I called it. You know, I tweeted exactly what was going to happen. I don't know if you've read my tweets, but I said exactly how this was going to go down. What, what did you say? You'll have to refresh my memory. I don't think this was a recent tweet of yours. And I can't remember everybody's tweets, sadly, but I'll try. I, I do my best. But I'd, love to, I'd love to, you I to said, run it back uh, for me. <laughs> I said, congratulations, you know, to uh, Francis. And then uh, I said, John's going to price himself out of your fight. Like, I knew he was going to price himself out of the fight. That's, he doesn't really want to fight him. And we came to learn that he's not really representing himself. Uh, sorry, he's been repre representing himself, I guess, for the last couple of years. Uh, this news just kind of came out. Do you think that it's in a fighter's best interest to represent themselves? I know you work with Tiki Goshen and uh, you, you have a manager, but uh, do you think that it would be difficult as a fighter to, to have to worry about that as well? Um, once you get to a certain level, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's always good to have a buffer between you and whoever's making those decisions. But I don't know, man. I, I think it's best to have a manager because you have that buffer, and you might say something that 
you don't necessarily you don't want to say it that way exactly to them but when you have a buffer in between they'll they'll say it in a nicer way how you're feeling or you know just not say it and say something else and figure out a way to negotiate your contract how do you like john's chances against francis i don't really give a shit <laughs> all right fair enough uh, and, and finally, with a win this weekend, where does it put you in the division? Uh, Glover looks like he's got the next shot. And from there, it looks like it's pretty wide open. There are a lot of guys that are right in that kind of next zone. Do you feel like that's where the, a win here would get you, is into that zone with, you know, Alexander Rakic and, and a lot of those fighters coming up? I mean, there's nobody else. I mean, it's me and Rakic, that's it. I mean, it's... They did it five. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty obvious tournament. And, uh, yeah, there's nobody else coming up, so that's what it is. So in your mind, Rockets is probably next to with the win this weekend? Uh, yeah, so the winner of this fights Rocket probably, and then they fight the next title. All right, I like that you have your path. Uh, mapped out. Uh, thanks for this, Dom. Appreciate it. Main event, yourself, Yuri Prakashka. You can watch it on TSN in Canada. Uh, always appreciate your time. Thank you. All right, man. Have a good one. I'm now joined by Cub Swanson, who will be in the co-main event against Giga Chikadze this weekend. I noticed you have a plus sign beside your name once more. I'm always surprised by it, but especially when you're facing fighters that are really good at one thing. I find you're always able to, to beat them at their own game. Is that the way that you feel going into this one? Well, I, you know, I, I give every opponent I have a lot of respect. Um, I feel like if I don't do that, I don't really, you know, fight to the best of my abilities. And uh, Giga's got some some dangerous weapons, but I definitely feel like he's he's not as a complete fighter as me. Um, but yeah, as, as far as having a plus next to my name, I try not to look at those things, but they always seem to find me. Um, but at this point, I'm pretty comfortable in the underdog role. Do you feel that even this far into your career, that people are still underestimating you? I, this is what, your 28th fight, I believe. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of been the theme. Um, and I think... That's why I've had a, a, a great fan base. I feel like the fans that appreciate me uh, really appreciate my struggle and, and, and see how hard I work. And, uh, you know, I'm somebody that just, you know, kind of overcomes time and time again. So um, I think that's kind of been the story of my career. Where are you looking to go from here for, I guess, the next year or so? I mean, the featherweight division is just a division of killers. It's a, I call it the Shark Tank division because uh, there's just no easy fights. Even if you look at people that are unranked, there are so many great up-and-coming fighters in the division. Yeah, you know, uh, I've, I've talked a lot about it uh, with my wife, and, and, you know, i got a family now, so their input is important to me. And, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting up there in age, but I, I don't feel like my skill set has declined uh and i still love doing it so much uh, i love pushing myself i love testing myself and, and you know as as all these young up-and-comers are coming in it's like oh yeah you know because it i had fought everybody in the top for a while so now it's like fresh meat um so i i, I want to keep getting in there and testing myself but i think uh probably got a couple years left at max Yesterday, TJ Dillashaw came out and said that he'd sustained injuries out of his fight. It's supposed to be, I guess, next weekend. Um, how has training camp been going with him? And uh, do, do you know exactly what happened that uh, has caused him to withdraw? Um, yeah, we were in the gym the other day, and I, I heard him just, you know, 
you know, pretty upset and looked over and, and he had gotten a cut and yeah, it was pretty bad uh, and unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Um, but I think uh, that was a smart move to, to, you know, push it back and, and um, you know, be 100 percent, you know, as many times as we try to push through the pain, you, you don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want to put yourself in a bad situation. So uh, he knows he has a tough opponent and he wants to be his absolute best. So uh, I think he made the smart move. And uh, but, yeah, training camp's been good. Um, we, we've been kind of meeting up for like half our sessions uh, me, him, and Juan, because we all had fights back to back to back, and then we we were spending a lot of time just doing our own thing and really sharpening sharpening the tools. And then we were meeting up, having the good sessions together. It, it, it was fireworks. Yeah, I personally can't wait to see TJ back. He's one of the most explosive fighters out there. But having those surgeries, have you noticed any differences with him? Anything that he can do better now that he's uh, obviously he had to take that time away due to USADA, but he used that time wisely to to make sure that he was able to uh, repair a lot of the things that he had been putting off for some time. Yeah, I I think uh, I definitely haven't noticed any kind of drop off in 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 his talent. Um, and yeah, I was I was telling Juan the other day. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't noticed anything different. Uh, he, he's got the same, same, you know, explosiveness, same gas tank. Um, and yeah, I was ready to see him go out there and, and, you know, get back in the winner's circle. Now, this is obviously a tough question to ask, but your manager, Kami, passed away. Uh, I think this is your first fight back without having him with you during fight week. Has, has it felt different? Is, is, does it feel a little bit weird not having him there with you, given that he's been with you the whole way? Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I met him when I was 19 years old, I'm 37 now, and, uh, he's been with me the whole time. Um, so yeah, I, but you know, before I even took this fight, I had, um, I had long conversations with my main training partners, with my wife and, and, you know, said, I don't want this to be a factor. Um, and, and, and I kind of used, um, this fight and this preparation as is, is, is a kind of healing process. And, um, you know, I've been working with sports psychologists just to make sure that I was doing all the right things. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like, I don't feel like I lost somebody in my corner at this point. I feel like I get an extra cornerman. I feel like he's there with me and, and um, I'm just, I know I'm gonna go out there and, and make him proud. I know everything he would have told me, any advice he would have given me, because I've known him so for so long, and 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 uh, I knew him so well. So any question I have, I just kind of, you know, kind of talk to him in my head. Yeah, and I think you're a very self-aware fighter. You know, using sports psychology and, and things like that to to figure out ways to kind of compartmentalize this and use it as fuel is something that I think younger fighters might not have been able to do. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why I've talked about it more often. Um, I feel like we're in an era of, you know, people really trying to, you know, play roles and pretend to be somebody. Um, and, and I just wanted to be more of a an honest person and, and give people the reality of fighting from my perspective and, and hope that uh, I could inspire, you know, the next generation of fighters and, and say, hey, uh, I, I feel these things, I experience these things, and it's normal, and and it's okay. It's about 
you know, pushing through, um, learning how to, to, to cope with it. And, uh, you know, it, it makes you a stronger person. One younger fighter in the UFC that I feel has kind of uh, got this under control is Charles Jordan. He's the guy that's actually mentioned you as a possible opponent. And the reason why he wants to fight you is he says he likes having opponents that he's scared of. He says that's, that's where he fights at his best is when he has trouble sleeping because he's, he's so worried about his opponent. Uh, I don't know if you, if you take that as, as a sign of respect or what, but uh, I just find that it's, it's very refreshing to see a lot of fighters that are more self-aware like, like you are. And I think that you have played a role in uh, grooming fighters that are uh, newer to the sport to start thinking that way and, and not just always have, uh, you know, the, the tough guy um, shell on, so to speak. Yeah, um, I, I've noticed, I've always noticed Charles uh, calling me out. I, I think he's awesome. Uh, I love that he calls me out super politely. And, uh, you know, if it was ever, if we were ever in the position to, to fight, I, I just because he's been so cool about it, I'd, I'd be up for it. Um, uh, and, and I respect that, you know, it, it kind of annoys me when, you know, somebody wants to, to, to call me out a, a, an up and comer and then they're trying to intimidate me or, or, you know, it's like, man, have you not seen who I fought? Like, why would I be intimidated by you? No offense. Uh, so yeah, I, I appreciate the way he calls me out and, um, I, I appreciate the respect he's given me. I, I think that's really cool, and it's made me a fan of his. Well, I'm sure he'll be happy to hear that because I know he's, uh, he thinks the world of you. Uh, one, one last thing I wanted to touch on is uh, something that you had tweeted uh, about uh, wanting mixed martial arts media to uh, practice mixed martial arts, possibly even compete. I think you said compete three times uh, before they could cover the sport. Now, Robin Black is a mutual friend of ours. He works in the TSN, and I, I sent him a message saying, you know, what do you think Cub means by this? And he says, yeah, it's probably just a fleeting thought that Cub had just on his mind. He just wanted to get out there. So uh, I'm guessing that is the case. But I will say that it did help me think a lot about uh, your perspective and, and something that I do wish that more of my colleagues would do, which is tell the, the stories about pre uh, mental preparation, about what goes into fight week, uh, as opposed to looking for kind of flashy headlines. And I think that that's kind of what, you know, what you were thinking when you put that out there. Am I on the right page with that? Yes, Definitely. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted to start the conversation. Um, it, it frustrates me um, to have a great conversation with someone like you um, to, to really touch on some subjects that I felt like really were really great. Um, some great insights of what I'm going through and what my experience was for this camp. And then to turn around and then see you, you know, post the, the interview with like a stupid headline that had nothing, almost nothing to do with what we talked about. That annoys me. Um, and, and I understand why uh, I get it. Um, but yeah, it, it just, that, that part has frustrated me over the years and made me do less interviews. Um, but yeah, the reason why I wanted to, to say I wanted media to, to, to possibly have that experience is because you guys, I, I don't think most guys really know what we go through and, and, and know what, what it's like, you know, as like for someone that's not crazy to, to sign up to do a fight in, in three months, have all this publicity about it, have to show up and then have that pressure uh, of performing, the pressure you put on yourself, all your friends and family, you know, watching, um, then cutting weight and just having that emotional roller coaster and then having to do all these interviews. It, it's, it's a process, you know, and you learn to be a professional. Um, but I, sometimes I just wish 
media members understood what it felt like and, and just to gain some perspective and meant no disrespect to, to say uh, they weren't good enough to, to cover our sport or anything like that. I just wanted there to be like a mutual understanding of the process of this. Yeah, I think that with a tweet, it kind of lacks nuances. Not a lot of words that yeah. are allowed to be uh, used in a tweet. Uh, so yeah, I, mean, I, I agree with that, and and I felt bad because a lot of people kind of latched on and and um, gave their perspective, and it wasn't necessarily my perspective, but it did, you know, create a lot of talk, and I and I I appreciated that. And I was admittedly one of the people that you had mentioned was kind of sensitive about it because I, I have put in a lot of work to get to this point. But I also, you know, took a lot from what you said and, and thought about it. So I think that's what's important about it is you're, you're, you're helping stimulate people's thoughts. And, you know, when I first started covering mixed martial arts, the first thing I do, did was enroll in classes and start taking classes. Now, I'm an old guy with three kids that's in his late 30s mm -hmm. that, you know, if I were to take an amateur fight at this stage in my, in my life, I probably would get wrecked. And I acknowledge that as somebody, again, with a full-time job that uh, can't put in the, the amount of time and resources to doing something like this but I did make sure that I went and, and took classes and got an education on it worked hard to try to earn belts and, and things of that nature uh, I know that probably doesn't necessarily mean anything but at the same time I, I do think that it is important for people to see what you guys go through at least at a, at a micro level to get a mm -hmm. bit of an understanding for what the sport's about yeah yeah and, and ju you just tell me a little bit about yourself I, I have more respect you know I just for the fact that, you know, we're, we're about the same age. We both have three kids. Uh, we're both, put, you know, just trying to put food on the table. And, and so I think that's awesome. And, uh, you know, like I said, if you had ever wanted to do a fight, I, I would cheer for you. I think a lot of people thought that I w just wanted to see media people get beat up. And that was not the case. Uh, if any if any media person is doing in our sport, doing mixed martial arts and just actively training or or just trying to get a better understanding of the sport. I, I, I appreciate that so much. So uh, I think the fact that you did do some some classes and, and really take that effort to learn, I think is awesome because you didn't have to. And yeah, I, in no way am I discrediting your ability to do your job. Well, you do have a 20 plus year uh, head start on me in terms of uh, your, your skills. So I, I don't want you to say that we, we have a lot of similarities in terms of fighting. You've got a, you've got a, a very good head start on me. <laughs> one last thing I want to ask you about. The thing, one of the things I love about you and your brand is your logo. One thing I wish that the new uniform deal would have done was allow uh, fighters to put their own logo on uh, the uniforms. And the reason why I say that is I look at you, I look at the Korean zombie there, and I, even guys like Kyle Nelson, I think he's in your, in your division, has an awesome logo. And you guys have these great graphic designers that you work with to put uh, out your own brand. Now, I understand why the UFC don't want corporate sponsors on their, uh, their uniforms that they're not approving of. I get that. But I think that when people buy a basketball jersey, they're buying the Houston Rockets jersey. They're not buying an NBA jersey. They're buying, you know, a, a Lakers jersey. I feel like if you guys were allowed to put a little bit of personalization on the uniforms, uh, that it would go a long way, not just for the UFC, but for the sales of the merchandise. I think more people would be uh, able to, you know, happier to wear the merchandise out or, or the apparel out because it would have some personalization on it and they can really show support for, for fighters. Did you think that something like that might be possible with, with the new uniform deal? Is that something that you think would be a good improvement? Um, well, me and my manager back when we did the first, when they did the first Reebok deal, um, there was talks that we'd be able to do that and that there would be more uh, influence on the uh, creation. And that just didn't happen. Um, it, 
So yeah, I, I didn't think that would happen for this deal, um, but I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, a little little bit of individuality. Um, I've I've been a fan of the uniform um, just for the fact that I thought that a lot of people wore ugly <laughs> shorts and 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 stupid clothes just because it was a little bit of money uh, before. So I kind of like the uniform look, but I would I would appreciate. Um, you know, the ability to put our own logo and, and doing some self-branding, I, I think that would be great. Um, but yeah, maybe that'll be something that the next generation of fighters can take advantage of. All right, Cobb, always enlightened speaking with you. Uh, best of luck this weekend against Giga Chikadze in the co-main event, and I uh, really appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm pleased to be joined now by Benil Darius, who will be taking on Tony Ferguson at UFC 262 next month. So after the last fight, you called for something big. And I, I, I know that you're, you're somebody who's a very nice guy. It's rare for you to be super outspoken, but it seemed like that came out of you uh, after the last event. And here it is, Tony Ferguson, next month. Yeah, you know, it, was, it wasn't just that I was, I was frustrated and it wasn't so much with the UFC. It was the fact that they were giving these contracts out to these guys, these uh, top-level guys, and they kept ignoring me. They basically kept kept saying, "No, we're, we're not interested." They, they wanted someone, somebody else. They want to fight somebody else, and I, and I kept getting ignored, and, and it was really frustrating. So, it was more that that led to the led to, to me speaking out the way I did. It, it, uh, and uh, you know, I'm 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 glad I did. I I just wanted to let these guys know, like I'm not high risk and low low reward. I'm uh I'm high reward too. You beat me. You're you're a contender. Well, I find that's one of the the big symptoms of the rankings system is people will protect their ranking. You know, if someone's ranked number four, or number five, they see someone ranked number twelve, thirteen, who probably should be ranked higher, but because they don't have the same resume, they they have trouble risking their ranking to face somebody who might be better than they are. And, and then have to move down the ladder. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand if you're ranked in the top five, you want to stay in the top five. I get it. You don't want to risk fighting somebody at seven or ten or, or, or nine like I am. I understand that, but, I mean, this is fighting. We're, we're not like we're not businessmen. I, I, at some point, you have to say, hey, I, I just need to fight. Because, I, 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 like, how many times can the top five fight, fight each other? There's only so many times you can do that until it's it's uh, done and over with. So I think there's guys outside of the top ten right now who are top three material. There's some there there's some top level guys out there that we don't even we don't even get to see in the in the top ten yet. Yeah, and I think that the rankings are kind of window dressing, anyways. You may as well throw them out. I like, I, I honestly don't believe that there's any they serve any real purpose because. Hey, I mean, if somebody's the number one ranked guy and they want too much money, they'll go to the number three guy and have them fight for the championship. You know, it seems like regardless of the rankings that anybody can beat anybody on any given night, it seems, if, as long as they're in the top 20, so to speak. Yeah, rankings, you, you know, uh, rankings don't mean much if the UFC says, hey, like, we're not going by rankings this fight. Or if they say, hey, this fight, we are going by rankings. It's weird. Because typically they do go by rankings if there's no other factors. There's no, uh, let's call it an X factor, an outside factor. For example, uh, 
if you're a guy like Jorge Masvidal, if you're a guy like Conor McGregor, if you're a guy like Nate Diaz, you don't you don't really need to be in the rankings to get uh, to get a big name to get a big fight to get a title shot. It's just uh, your name is big enough to get that for you, and it makes sense business wise. And and I get it. I uh, I I own a small business. I, I get that. You know, you have to make your business uh, productive. Yeah, you you can't. You can't risk the life of the business just for integrity. What, what, least, kind of, what kind of small business do you own? I'm sorry to interrupt you. I'm just curious. I, I, I own a martial arts gym. I own a uh, Kings MMA in Anaheim. Okay. I thought, I thought you were going to say something, something totally separate. Uh, like, no, you know, some, oh, some sort of No, you thought I had a barbecue business just because I got a Traeger <laughs> back there? No, I wish. I wish <laughs> I did. I just got my Traeger, and I haven't even been able to use it, man. I'm so frustrated. Because I'm cutting weight for the fight, so I just got a Traeger. They sent me a Traeger. Thank you, Traeger. But, like, I haven't even been able to use it. You know why? Because I like fatty food. I like to do, like, a brisket. I like to do the, you know, beef ribs. Whatever is extra fatty, that's what I like. And uh, so it's it's been uh, it's been, uh, it's been quarantined. My grill has been quarantined. Let's just put it that way. Throw some corns of cob on there, some zucchini. You can still, you can still make use of it during this time, can't you? I, I could. I just don't want to disrespect it like that. <laughs> that's a that's a Traeger, man. You can smoke the best meat. You it's it's. Last time I did it, it's better than uh, it's better than anywhere else. Even going outside, like you can go to the best uh, restaurants. It's better at home. That's how good it is, man. So like, I'm not gonna disrespect it by just making vegetables. I hear you. Well, you've only got a couple of weeks left, so for three more weeks, you can you can do without the Traeger, and uh, when you get back, hopefully, you can you can reap the rewards. Exactly. That's that's the game plan. I uh, finish the fight, come back home. I do uh, seven days of barbecue, and uh, you know, move to the two hundred five division. And there are a lot of fighters that uh, I think is Shane Burgos on your card. I think he's on the, he's on your card. He's someone I believe so. He he likes to watch videos of people eating like disgusting meals while he's cutting weight and like while he's in training camp because it, it like inspires him. You're you're not one of those people. No, but I will when I when, fight week. I I uh, well not not right now because of uh, quarantine. But I like to take my teammates out to places that I would like to go eat and have them eat just to see them eat it is satisfying. I will say that, but not like disgusting or food or whatever. I just I just like food in general and, and seeing other people be happy because the food makes me happy. Well, you're, you're a natural 55er. Like how much of a cut do you normally have to get to 55? Not that natural, man. <laughs> it's not that. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I think this morning I was 176 and that's, uh, that's after dieting for a while. So I typically walk around 183 to 185. Once I'm in shape, I'm about 178. So if I'm in my prime shape, I'm 178 if I'm not dieting at all. And then when I start dieting, my weight starts to drop down to 170. So how much do you typically cut the night before a fight? Or the night before weigh-ins, rather? I like to leave it all for for the night of. So I, I have anywhere between 6 to 8 pounds. Okay, so that's not a, a massive cut. That's probably, like I said, kind of a normal cut for a 55. Yeah, so the week of the fight, I'm, I'm 15 over. Ideally, I'd like to be 12 over, but... Uh... It's not it's not that easy. So I'll I'll be 15 over and uh, I'll I'll you know I'll reduce it down to 6 to 8 and then I'll do all of it the day of. So Kings MMA has some uh, pretty big news recently. 
uh, with uh, Marvin Vittori getting the title shots. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. Unfortunately, Kelvin fell short in that fight against Whitaker. I've always thought Kelvin's one of the most underrated guys in the UFC, but uh, Whitaker was his night that night. How's, uh, how's Marvin feeling after getting that title shot? Was he actually, did he actually smile? Did, did we get to see the rare Marvin Vittori smile? Marvin is actually really funny. He's actually <laughs> funny. You guys don't get to see it because he's so he's so stressed out and he's so hyped up. I'm actually wearing my Marvin shirt. Check it out. Like this it. is my Tory shirt. He needs to get me new shirts, by the way. This is old, and, I, and I'm waiting for the jackets and all that. My wife asked him too. Marvin, if you're listening to this, I'm expecting lots of stuff. But <laughs> Marvin, Mar- Marvin's, you know, he's through the roof, man. He's calling me. He's like, "Let's do this and let's do that." And I'm like, "Okay, I'll, you got it, buddy. I'll be there. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get it done. We'll be ready for this fight." And then with Calvin too, like you said, I think Calvin, Calvin has all the tools to be the best and and not just the best but to just shoulders above everybody i think this last fight with whitaker there's like small details uh small adjustments he could have made to uh uh to win the fight but uh you know he's so young uh he still has so much time and and i think uh he's gonna make those adjustments in the future and, and 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 we're gonna see his potential full potential yeah, from having spoken to Marvin before his last two fights, he's a really bright guy. Like, I think I think people b- believe him to be this kind of angry guy that's uh, just just fully emotional. He's actually uh, very very uh, gifted in terms of his mind. I think I don't think people really understand that about him that he's he's uh, very tactical and and very uh, good at training his mentality going into a fight and uh, you know not not just the physical but the mental. Yeah, he's he's very smart, but he's also the angry guy. So. <laughs> You don't get to see the smart guy because he is so angry. He, he's uh, man. He can't hide it. If something bothers him, he just right there you see it. He, uh, I always tell him, hey man, you got to be a little bit more reserved. You got to be a little bit more reserved. You know what's funny though? My last fight with uh, Diego, Carlos Diego. He he came after me. He's like, bro, what are you doing? You need to calm down. You need to calm. Imagine, imagine this. <laughs> Imagine Marvin Vittori coming to you and telling you you need to calm down. Imagine that, man. I couldn't say, like I was laughing so hard on the inside. I was like, oh my gosh, Marvin, you're gonna tell me to calm down of all people. <laughs> I've said to Marvin, he's he's got to be a pretty healthy guy because when he's mad about something, he doesn't like he doesn't uh, keep it keep it inside. He'll go and find that person. He'll sort it out with them, and then then he'll put it behind him. He, it's it's very good that he's able to kind of compartmentalize that anger. Exactly. He's. Uh... He's very special. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so yourself, you're you're one of the notoriously nice guys in this sport. Um, do you ever get angry at, at certain things? I know that circumstance uh, after that last fight, you kind of got angry at, and you were pretty quick to apologize because that's not really your nature uh, <laughs> to, to, to call people out in, in that way. But uh, do you, do you ever get angry at, at things in general? Man, I'm angry all the time. That's just that. <laughs> that's just the nature of the game. Oh, uh, but. Right now, my wife is like seven months pregnant, <laughs> and she's crazy. But um, so you know, we fight a lot, but it's uh, it's okay. The thing is, you just have to recognize that you're, you, you, it's okay to get angry, but also you got to recognize that hey, you're angry and you're saying things that you shouldn't, and uh, you got to be uh, you got to be able to, uh, capable of putting your pride aside and saying, hey, I'm sorry. You know, one of the things that used to bother me, like my wife, uh, while she was pregnant, she'd always come to me and be like, do I look big to you? And I'd be like, no, you look great. And and I kept doing it. And she kept uh, 
she kept asking me and then it started like to to get get me kind of mad and so was she i was like you know what i'm not gonna do that anymore now from now on whenever she does come to me i'm gonna say if she asked me hey do i look big to you i'm gonna say yes you look huge and then she would be like oh, i can't believe you said that and then i would add it's okay baby i love big women it's perfect it works out so you know you you have to find ways to uh, control the anger and, and uh, calm the situation down. Now she won't even ask me because I keep doing it. Now she won't even ask me and I just go around and be like, ooh, you're a big girl. And uh, <laughs> if I don't make it to my fight, it's because my wife killed me, just so you guys know. So this is your first child that you have on the way, is that right? That's correct. Do you know, do you know what you're having or you'll have to share that information? I'm, I'm, I'm having a girl. Her name is going to be Alva. Well, congratulations. That's, that's great. How long have you been married for? I've been married, uh, February was our one year anniversary. So one year and a couple of months. That's great. Well, congratulations to you. That's uh, a big deal. I've got three of my own. I'm always running after them. So uh, I, I know how that is, but uh, that, that should be a, a great experience for you. So um, with, with her due, I guess, probably what, about a month or two after your, your next fight? June 26th is our due date. Okay, so, so you're, are you planning on taking the rest of the year off after this one or are you gonna kind of wait and see what happens? I said the earliest I would fight is December. I mean, don't even call me for even if it's November. Don't even call me. Don't don't even call me. Just leave me alone. I uh, I'll fight in December. I don't I don't care who it is. I don't care for what it is. I just it's gonna be time for my daughter and and that's it. All right, so I mean, beating Tony Ferguson, it seems like that's usually the pathway to the championship. Gaethje won it that way. Oliveira's got his title shot. I know he was supposed to fight you, ended up fighting Tony Ferguson. So a win over Tony Ferguson usually gets you into that title picture. So with title shot, they call you, hey, we, we, we need you, October. If that's a no-go? No-go. All right, well, I appreciate your commitment. I, I, I wanted to throw a skill-testing question at you. So uh, yeah. <laughs> Charles Oliveira, you're on the same card as, uh, as he is. Uh, you and him were supposed to cross paths. Uh, and I guess he had uh, some sort of personal problems that, that kept him from being in the fight and then was kind of quickly able to turn that around. What ended up happening with that situation? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, You explained it perfectly, and that's that's as much as I know. Uh, he was saying he had personal problems, but at the same time, he was calling out Tony Ferguson in every interview, and that's just that's just how it went, and I don't know what's going on now. Now he's fighting for the title after the Tony fight. You know, man, God bless him. He didn't want to fight me. I get it. He didn't want to take the risk. He would rather he would rather fight somebody higher rank. Whatever. I'm over it. I'm uh, I'm focused on Tony Ferguson, and then uh, I'll see whoever uh, I'll see whoever is holding the title or whoever I got to beat after that to get to the title. I'll I'll, uh, I'll be looking for them. I'm not too worried about it. So with Khabib out of the picture, it's kind of wide open. Um, who do you think is going to a win the championship between Chandler and Charles Oliveira? And then um, what do you think your path is like to, to get to that, that title level? You know, you've got a lot of players in there. Uh, Gaethje's kind of waiting for his, uh, his right matchup. Uh, you've got Conor McGregor and Poirier fighting in, in July. What, what, do you think, what do you think you stand with a win over Ferguson, and, and who do you think wins the title? I think if I beat uh, Tony, I don't know if I'll be number one contender, but I'll be close. I think guys like Justin are ahead of me. I think Dustin Poirier, Connor. Well, I don't know if Connor's ahead of me, but Connor will get the title shot uh, before me for sure. Yeah, Connor is Connor. He just he's uh, he's he's his own thing. Man, it's it's uh, I'm bummed that Khabib's gone, but but I will say 
it's the division's moving along pretty uh, pretty fast. So I'm happy about that. Uh, and as far as who I lean uh, towards, uh, Chandler and Oliveira, I'm currently leaning towards Oliveira, but it's 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 not significant. I think it's such a close fight. Uh, I'm looking for an. Uh, I, I'm I'm thinking Oliveira finishes the fight, but who knows. The, you know, Oliveira, I think, is a really tough matchup for most of the division, just in terms of what he's able to do. I think you're actually a bad matchup for him. I think you're one of the few guys... Again, this is a matchup sport, um, and I think going submission for submission with him, while he's got a lot of great crafty submissions, I think you hang, of course, well, given your, your, your grappling expertise and, uh, and background. And then from a striking perspective, he doesn't love being pressured, and it seems like that's become kind of your MO on the feet. Yeah, I was thinking about it too, and I think stylistically... It's not a great fight for him. You know, we can grapple, we can strike. And if the, uh, the fight goes into the third round, that's okay. If it goes into the fourth round, that's okay. If it goes into the fifth round, it's it's fine with me, you know. And uh, I'm not sure if he wants to deal with that for five rounds. Just just, just, a, uh, just a stubborn guy chasing him around for five rounds. I So... I think it made sense why he didn't take the fight. He chose Tony. He saw an easier path to victory or to the belt. And looking at your career, you're on a great streak right now, but it took you a while to find consistency and to, and to get to where you are now, where you're on a nice win streak. What was the key? What was the thing that needed to turn around to get you to where you are now? You know, I always say it's, uh, you know, I had injuries, which is true, and I didn't really. Uh, give them any attention and focus on them and and they uh they required a lot of attention a lot but i think what it is in reality i think the main thing is sometimes god has to humble you before he lets you go forth uh because you're not ready for 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 the things that he's prepared for you so sometimes you just got to be humbled and i think that's what it was i just needed to be humbled and then move forward and I guess being humbled, you're, make, you're making a reference to that fight with Alexander Hernandez. It was a 41-second knockout to, to a, a newcomer. What happened in that fight? Was there something before that fight leading up to it or anything along those lines that, that you think might have uh, been the thing that was the prelude for that happening? Man, it wasn't just him. I, I had lost to Barbosa. I got a draw with Evan Dunham, and then I lost to him. I mean, it was two years without a win. I think it was over two years or, or, or just about two years without a win. And uh, like I said, it, it was just a time to be humble. And, and it's one thing to get get one loss and then go back to go back on a winning streak. But it's, it's, it's another thing to go two years without a win. And just just it felt like I was stuck in the desert and I had no way out. It was uh, it was really tough. But I always say it's we always hear God the best in our darkest moments in the desert he you hear much more clearly and i think that's what it was i just i just needed to go through that so i could be humble and i could uh i could have a better uh, relationship with the lord so it is what it is i'm uh, i'm actually grateful for for the for that process for those two years during that time i was so upset i was so pissed i was so angry i i hated it i hated every bit of it but looking back at it now i'm grateful for it well, the sea has been parted for you. You, you, you. you spent your time in the desert. Now on you'll march to the promised land towards the title. Uh, yourself, Tony Ferguson. Right. <laughs> yourself, Tony Ferguson. Like, uh, you know your Torah. 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did go to, uh, to Hebrew school when I was a child. So I, I, know, I, know, I know my bits and pieces from what I can remember from whatever, 20, 20 plus years ago. But uh, best of luck to you against Tony Ferguson. Forget it. it it'll, um, it'll help you through your whole life. Just keep it, keep it, meditate on it. It'll help you through all, all of it, all your life. All right. Well, I appreciate that. It's always good to, to bring spirituality to the table uh, in, in times of trouble. It seems like you've done that. And uh, Tony Ferguson, a great matchup for you. So, so when you found out that Tony Ferguson was the opponent, last question for you, what was your reaction? Because, like I said, Tony Ferguson is kind of the guy to get to the guy. I got to be honest with you. I was stoked. Because in my opinion, Tony Ferguson uh, arguably can be considered number one or number two greatest lightweights of all time, depending on uh, you know who you ask. I, I personally think it's Habib, but he, he, he's, argue, he could, uh, he's in the argument. So to be able to get that fight with him, I was so excited. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to fight Tony Ferguson. What are the chances? You know, I've been, I've been dreaming about fights like this for, for a while, and I'm finally there, you know. So it's, it's awesome. It's great. It's, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say it's like an honor, but it is. I get to fight one of the best lightweights in, of all, of all time, so I'm <clears throat> I'm super excited, and uh, I want to show everybody like this is this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, I love that lightweight conversation because I think Khabib is like the number one guy. I think most people would say that, but the number two is like a it's a big question. I, I personally think it's Frankie, but uh, you know some people could say BJ Penn, oh. Tony Ferguson. There's a lot of people in the conversation. Uh, yeah, the, the reason why I say Tony is because. Look at the list of the guys he beat, and uh, he, you know, I, I think, to be honest with you, just beating Hoffa for me was, I, I didn't think he was going to be able to do it. Just beating Hoffa for me was uh, was very impressive. Uh, I've trained with Hoffa for a long time, and I know what he's capable of. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe he beat Hoffa. So th- that that's probably why I consider him so high up there. And then he beat a bunch of guys after that too. Before that, he he's he really is. He, he really is a special athlete. All right. Well, we look forward to that one. UFC 262. Thanks for this, Benil. And uh, best of luck with that. And best of luck, of course, with the, uh, the upcoming baby. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I'm now joined by Marab the Machine, the Wallace who will be taking on Cody Stamen this weekend at uh, UFC Fight Night in Las Vegas. Uh, how's everything going for, for you uh, with preparation for this? I know you've been in Las Vegas for the last couple of weeks uh, getting ready. Yeah, everything going good. Uh, I'm staying here at Aljo's house and uh, training here uh Vegas. I have a couple of teammates from home, Long Island, uh, and uh, feeling great. And uh, I can't wait to fight Saturday. Now, I imagine it's been a pretty stressful couple of days for you, given what happened to Chris Weidman over the weekend. Um, how, how have you been dealing with that, uh, seeing such a tough thing happen to a teammate of yours? Yeah, that was hard work and we, we was excited like we was watching at Aljo's house and the one we we was sure like uh Chris gonna win this fight and uh, he was training hard he was really great shape uh, and uh, that was hard work and whatever we all see we we don't want uh any fighters get injury and especially like this and especially our friend and our captain, but uh, he's staying positive, and uh, uh, he's gonna be back stronger. Have you had a chance to speak with him since uh, everything happened? 
uh, I, I text uh, I text him and uh, yeah, I just say stay positive and uh, uh, yeah, he's really positive and uh, yeah, I just don't want to bother him now. It's only I share some positive things. Well, that, that's certainly good to hear. Uh, obviously, a very difficult situation. You know, we all we all love as mem media members. We love speaking with Chris. He's a, a great guy, very positive, like you say. So to see that happen to him was uh, very difficult. Uh, but I guess you have to take your mind off of it and, and move forward uh, towards fight week uh, and think about Cody Stamen, even though I'm sure you'd like to be thinking more about your friend. It's, uh, things going on uh, with us, like our family, our friends, or country or politics, but I'm always focused on myself and um, I have one job to do, go, go there and show my performance and win the fight and make the my team happy and Chris Waitman happy and my friends and my coaches and everybody happy. So have you been uh, staying in Long Island for your preparation? Yeah, I, I was there, I was training there, but and, and the last three weeks I'm here to wake up training to like, uh, get used to weather and like feel like I'm home. I saw a video recently, it was uh, Matt Serra with Aljamain Sterling, and I know I know a lot of people have talked about them having some sort of falling out, but it seems like everything's cool with them now. Of course, uh, that's always uh, been cool, and we are one team, one family, and uh, everything is good. Yes. Well, that's good to see. Is it was it just a misunderstanding that whole situation? Yes. So uh, I, I know that Matt is no longer doing cornering. I know he's been in your corner. I'm going to miss hearing uh, him yell Marab, Marab during fights. But uh, who else is going to be in your corner for this coming uh, this coming weekend? Yeah, definitely I'm going to miss Matt uh, to my corner. And uh, my corner will be my coach, Ray Longo, like always. And uh, my two other teammates, Pumi Nikuta and Wilson. He's from Albania. He's wrestler. So, and uh, yeah, uh, I have my coach and two of my training partners and uh, ready to go. What can you teach us about Georgia? I don't think a lot of people know much about the Republic of Georgia. And we saw uh, Patty Pimblett, who's a new UFC fighter, make comments that I think were fairly ignorant towards your country. I just feel like there's more that we can learn about uh, the Republic of Georgia that a lot of people in North America don't know. Yeah, so my country is a small, beautiful country, and we have a big history. Uh, like, uh, and uh, uh, I, it's an old country, and then the, the two oldest people, like dead people, they found it in Georgia, like no one else. And we have a, our own language all on alphabets, uh, we have big traditions and uh, big culture. We, I mean, we are very welcome people. We love visitors. We are democratic people. Uh, and uh, I mean, we are, we are cool country, beautiful, small country. Uh, just, uh, we have a good territory. We are uh, between Russia, Turkey, Azerbaijan, Armenia, and uh, Russia tries to occupy us, and which is he did uh, uh, 1991 when I born. They take Abkhazia, which is what, which is uh, 
part of Georgia. And now 2008, the last war was 2008, and they take uh, part of Ossetia, which is uh, close to capital city, and they they occupate again. Uh, so Russia, Russia occupied uh, 20% of Georgia, uh, and uh, yeah, so I mean, people uh, now like. Uh, uh, we have a tough time because uh, pandemic. <laughs> like it's, we are small country, it's not like it's not so strong economic. Like because like uh, I, they they go they go through tough tough time because like a lot of strict rules there. Like you have to walk outside with the mask, and uh, if you have to go somewhere, you have to call police, and you have to get uh, like prescription to. Uh, and uh, like what else? Like I mean, you have to. Everybody interesting Georgia, they have to Google and they can read um, all day long. You know, it's, uh, it's so many things to talk about Georgia. You know? Did you happen to see the comments that Patty Pimblett made? I know Ilya Tapuria wrote something about him, and I guess they had a kind of a back and forth. Yeah. 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 Um, the party make mistakes, but I mean we are fighters. Uh, we not been out of politics, and uh, yeah, Ilya Topuria answered him good, and Ilya Topuria is the man. And uh, yeah, I see, I see everything. Yeah. Are you proud to see how well uh, your fellow Georgians are doing in the UFC? Uh, you know, Guram had a very successful debut. Lilia uh, 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 Jojua is doing really well as well. Uh, it, you know, I don't think that Georgia had much of a presence in the UFC uh, up until you came, and you've been doing a fantastic job, of course, moving up the rankings. But uh, is is it nice for you to see all of the different uh, people from your country do well in the UFC? Yeah, they see that my country uh, boys and girls doing very well and. Uh, Representing Georgia UFC makes uh, more than happy myself. You know, like I'm more happy for them because, uh, like, that's how we are. Like, we are happy to each other and we support each other. And uh, uh, when I fight, I feel all the love and support. And the same when they fight, of course, I'm happy for them and uh, I'm, I'm proud of them. And of course, like. Uh, uh, this is big thing for us to like represent in Georgia and show world how warrior we are. And uh, this sport is very new, and uh, uh, we still we still have a six fighters in UFC, which is means a lot for us. And I'm happy for them. And now uh, May first, Kiga uh, Chika is fighting Komeni, and this is so big for us and I'm very proud of this. Yeah, I named all these Georgian fighters. I forgot to mention Gigos in the co-main event of the, the event this weekend. We'll look at right over my head. Uh, we all make mistakes. Uh, and final question for you. Uh, the UFC put out a video on YouTube this week. It's all 54 of Murab Dwalashvili's takedowns. Uh, I believe you hold the record for the most takedowns. Uh, how did you become so good at wrestling? When did you start wrestling and, and why do you think you're so great at that, that particular part of mixed martial arts? Yeah, I'm not a Wrestler, I'm a judo, judo player, I guess. I say player. Yeah. <laughs> judo player. Okay. Yeah. And but I'm a mixed martial artist, and uh, um, uh, 
take down this is part of the fighting and uh, taking people down easy you know, whenever I want and uh, uh, it's uh, uh, I hold the record in my weight class and uh, I'm gonna make new record on May 1st <laughs> But uh, how I came to good wrestler, I'm training with Aljamai Sterling, I'm uh, sparring with him and uh, he makes me better everywhere, like stand-up, wrestling, jiu-jitsu. One last question for you that I forgot about. Ally Akinto was removed from the ratings, uh, the rankings recently. I don't know if it's because of inactivity, but how's he doing? I heard he was uh, suffered an injury and he's trying really hard to get back in there. Yeah, unfortunately he has a... Uh, had knee injuries and uh, he's trying to come back get uh, get better. Uh, he uh, he was here like last couple months to Vegas and he was doing uh, like PIPT for his knee to uh, uh, to compete again. Uh, and he's hopefully he can fix his knees and he can come back. All right, Marabo, it's always great catching up with you. Best of luck this weekend against uh, Cody Stamen, and we look forward to uh, hearing from you again soon. Thank you so much. All right. Pleased to be joined now by KB Buller, who will return to the UFC this weekend, taking on Andreas Mikalidis in his second UFC fight. First one didn't go your way against Tom Breeze. You always learn something from your first uh, mixed martial arts fight and your first mixed martial, uh, martial arts loss, rather. What, what, what did you get back from that loss that uh, you, you think you're going to be able to take with you this weekend? Uh, I mean, like, like I was saying before, it's just not, not dwelling on it too much, not obsessing about it too much. Uh, it happened, accept it, and then take whatever sort of technical adjustments you can from it and, and move on. You know, not, don't, don't let that linger too long. Like, like I was telling you before, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you lose your virginity, you know? It's never fun when you first lose your virginity. No one has a great time. It's, uh, it's a learning experience. All right, well, uh, that is an interesting analogy, but uh, why don't we move on to a different subject, which is uh, Andreas Mikolivis. <laughs> what do you know about him? Uh, when, when you've watched some tape study on him, uh, what can you tell me? Uh, oh, man. Is it Mikolitis or Mikolitis? I think it's Mikolitis. Mikolitis. I don't know. Can't tell you, can't tell you, track down John Anik, he'll tell you exactly how it's pronounced. Because, you know, we're doing him an injustice right now. We might really, we could be really butchering his name. Um, what I know about him, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. He's got, a, he's got, he's got some heavy strikes. Um, he's got a diverse, diverse kicks. I think he's like, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of a middleweight Dennis Seaver. All right, well, that's, that's, a, that's a fun one. Dennis Seaver's got a lot of uh, spinning attacks and things like that. Is that something you've seen? Yeah, before? spinning attacks, like heavy punches, uh, mixes it up with the takedowns. Like, it's, uh, he's kind of like that. That's what he reminds me of. How have things been um, at the camp? I mean, I know Tanner's coming off of a bit of a difficult loss to uh, Andre Arlovsky. Uh, has it been good to, you know, have both of you kind of go through that at the same time so you can try to keep each other's spirits up? Yeah, we're both just like really, we're just really pissed. Uh, Tanner's super angry all the time. Um, he, he's, you know, Tanner's just going around trying to clobber everybody's heads off at sparring. It's, it's, it's good times, man. You got a really angry heavyweight um, that wants uh, <laughs> that wants to get back to the wind column. You got me too, 
And uh, we're just hungry, man. We're hungry, hungry, and we're just trying to make it happen. The camp has been really focused, I guess, towards us since we are the, the, the two guys competing. So, I mean, it's been awesome. It's been a, been a good, hard camp. And in terms of training, uh, how has that been in terms of regulations in Alberta? I don't know what exactly the, uh, the rules are there, but have you been able to train normally? It's been uh, extremely frustrating. Um, but, I mean, I've gone out of my way to even, like, build a gym set up in my own home just so I can keep training going. Um, yeah, I spent, like, a ton of money trying to make that happen. Um, and then also just having the communication set with coaches to just be able to make training sessions happen regardless. Like, it's been hard because they've been very restrictive about what exactly you can and can't do. Like, they had this this rule where you're not allowed to – you're allowed to have the gym open, but you cannot exercise intensely. Like, there was a they, – they set a barometer for how intensely you could exercise. So – like what, like, what the hell does that even mean? You know, a lot of it was very subjective, and it was, yeah, annoying. But we got it done. So it's been a very low-energy camp is what you're saying because you want to stay within the guidelines. Very low-intensity camp, you know. We're keeping it chill. Do they have somebody policing the uh, level of intensity of the camps? Yeah, there's intensity police. There's, there's the Alberta intensity police, the AIP. They come in once every three days, and they check out the intensity. It's, it's their job. They make 75 k a year. And um, that's what our government is funding, man. Go Alberta, go. Is that actually what the wording was? You have, they have to be low intensity? And did they spell out parameters of what exactly that means? Because Aaron, I'm not even broad. kidding you. There's an Alberta intensity police, and they are policing the gyms to make sure people aren't working out too hard, spreading the deadly um, disease, COVID. Hold on, so you actually COVID. have, they're, they're not actually called the Alberta intensity police, though, I'd imagine, correct? They do. They do. They have. They even have badges. They got those little didgeridoo badges on their chest. They come in with blue vests and everything. It's terrible. I really don't know if you're being serious or not, but that, that's a, a real thing that's going on. This is not a joking matter. This is the Alberta Intensity Police. They are dead serious, and they take their job very serious. Okay. Well, I'll, as someone who lives in Ontario, I'll take your word for it because uh, we don't have anything along those lines here. But then again, we uh, don't really have. Uh, I guess the gyms aren't really open here, so we, you know we'll. We'll take it's, your word on that. Dude, it's it's borderline like a totalitarian dictatorship down here in Alberta. It's it's messed up, man. Okay, well, hopefully you have been able to get uh, enough preparation in. And uh, What's going on in terms of the regional fighters? Like Teddy, I guess, is still fighting on the regional scene for the most part. Uh, I know that Battlefield has reopened, but has he been able to get fights anywhere? Well, um, in Alberta... Um, there is no local MMA at all, but I, 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 the thing is, I feel really bad for the guys that are right on the the cusp of being here in the UFC. But they they just need that that one more win or two one or two more wins, and this whole thing is kind of preventing them from competing. Um, but like you said, Battlefield did recently open up, so. There are opportunities there. I know that guys at our gym are are starting to to gear up again to to fight soon. So hopefully you'll you'll see people like like Graham Park and 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 Teddy uh, 
get back at it. So I'm excited for them because they they're hungry for it and they deserve uh, they deserve to be on that stage. Well, do you feel really lucky to have gotten the call to the UFC because you were one of those guys on the cusp about a year ago? And uh, I'm with you. I think I that those are the people that I feel the worst for. I know that you know in Ontario we have Aaron Jeffrey and uh, Jasmine Jasson the Vicious who both uh, did well at the CFFC. They had to go to the U.S. and, and get fights, and now they're going to be on the Contender Series. But it's you know easier said than done to just be able to travel to where you want to go to, have to come back, quarantine, and all of that. Uh, so that, that, those are the folks in Canada, at least, that I feel the, the worst for, is uh, people that I guess were in your position about a year ago. Um, yeah, I feel lucky, but uh, I know that I earned my place. Um, I think with all the circumstance that it was kind of just a whirlwind of, of craziness that, that brought me here. But, you know, in the end, it was a long time coming regardless. I kept having people for the last two years saying and telling me that they knew I belonged here. And I myself knew it was a matter of time. So how has your mentality changed going into this one in terms of how you approach it? Has anything changed in your approach? Hmm. My mentality is the exact same. Um, I guess the adjustments I've made are, are purely technical adjustments, and and just like I said earlier, not getting too, not getting too mentally obsessed with the loss, and getting too caught up on this platform of being an undefeated fighter because. Um, that's you know that's not uh, that's not something to hang your hat on too long in in MMA unless your name's Khabib Nurmagomedov but like you know everyone in this game you lose and it's how you it's how you choose to deal with the way you lose you know and I'm choosing to deal with the way I lose as a champion and just rebound back and get back to get back to winning showcase my showcase myself the proper way. Yeah, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't believe that there's a single champion in the UFC that doesn't have a loss on their record right now. Um, even Usman last weekend, he had a loss from earlier in his career. And I went on Reddit yeah. today, and they had a list of every uh, undefeated fighter in the UFC. There's like 10 of them, right? So like you mentioned, I, I, this isn't boxing. This is mixed martial arts, and oftentimes people will learn a lot more from losing than remaining undefeated and then getting to a level where maybe they shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think... Uh you get too attached to that idea of being undefeated. You will, uh, like you just said, you'll eventually you'll reach a, a place where you'll taste defeat and then you won't be able to handle it. You'll make excuses and for why you lost. And I'm choosing not to do that. I'm not, I have no excuses. I, I lost, I accept it and, uh, I've grown from it. From having spoken to you last time, it didn't feel like you had kind of an invisible, uh, invisibility complex with it. It seemed like you, because you had seen your brother lose in the past and you've seen other people that, that you train with lose, it didn't seem to me like you had this can't lose mentality. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't. I like, I don't want to, I don't want to pitch this in a way that seems like, well, you want to lose because every time you go out, you have to, you have to have that do or die mentality that you are going to win. But if one is to lose, if one is to face defeat, then it's it's important that you're not consumed by the defeat and feel like your defeats define you. Uh, what defines you is how you how you grow from your losses. Did you learn that from anybody? Is there any any example of that 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 rang true with you when you did experience that loss? Uh, Tanner. Yeah, 
So Definitely I'll, Tanner. So how did, that, I've, how did that work? I've seen, I've seen the way Tanner's handled uh, his losses in the past, and uh, he's the most consistent person I know. He's never stopped working hard. Uh, he's never tried to reinvent the wheel and and think he's got to like suddenly change up his his coaches and his training camp and like go move to God knows where and and restart again. He's always just uh, believed in his training and uh, he's believed that like actually I don't really know like exactly what he believes, but I've just seen the consistency in him and I've seen how he's he's just stayed dedicated no matter the result he stays dedicated the guy fucking does a 12-week camp he goes out he fights he takes a week and a half off and then he's right back on the wagon again and he just that's been him for seven years yeah and he is a good model uh, for that because he was on the regional scene for such a long time and he had alternating wins and losses at times and then you see how well he does when he gets to the ufc because he had that kind of experience under his belt it's certainly a good example to have around you. Yeah, you just like I've seen him for so many years, and uh, being able to see that incredible growth in him, like he's it's been exponential to tell you the truth. Like it's I've never seen a more um, I've never seen a guy like I've never seen a guy go from like their humble beginnings to you know, what he's at right now. And if you, if you saw the development, it's, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. All right. We will look forward to continuing to watch your development this weekend against uh, Andreas Michalidis, if that's how it is indeed pronounced. Uh, best of luck to you. And we look forward to seeing you this weekend. Hope to speak with you again soon. Thanks a ton, Aaron. Take care, man. You know that feeling when you go to a concert and you see the opening act and they blow the headliner right off the stage? That happened at UFC 261. It was an amazing card overall, but one fight definitely stood out. It was this man, Jeff Molina, taking on Aori Kalang in uh, the fight of the night. Uh, a fantastic debut for you, Jeff. So what was the experience like overall? It seems like uh, you, you were in it to win it. My man, yeah, thank you. Um, the experience was awesome, dude. Um, it, uh, it feels like surreal and unreal at, at the same time. Um, I'm not sure if it's really like sunk in all the way, but when you picture for something so long in your head, when it happens, it's, it's that feeling of like surreal and unreal. It's like, okay, I've seen this a million times in my head, but I'm also getting to experience it, um, live, like in, in real life, you know? So it, it was awesome, man. The whole, the whole fight week experience, um, being on a card as massive as UFC 261, it, all of it was, was incredible. Well, when I was watching it, the thing that stood out to me, I, I said, uh, you know, this, this guy kind of scares me because your demeanor is like you're watching the, the, like, the news. Like you, you're, it seems like you're, uh, you know, you're just so calm in there. What, what has brought that demeanor forth for you? Man, uh, I think that's just experience. Uh, I've been doing this, and I've said this a lot, <laughs> but I've been doing this since I was 14, man. And um, I'm almost a decade deep. Uh, and when I say doing this, I mean like, really doing this like i'm obsessed with the sport man like this is everything to me um so when i say i'm doing this it's like i watch film every day there's not a, a moment there's not a day where mma doesn't cross my mind so um i feel like i put in my 10,000 hours uh something my coach james kraus talks about is putting in those 10,000 hours and i feel like I, I'm, I'm pretty close up there and uh number wise as far as like 
MMA being my my pure obsession and and man, I, I get mental reps in just by watching fights. I don't miss fights, man. I don't care what promotion it is. Uh, if it's low low level Amy fights to high level pros, so I think the composure just comes from uh, from experience. Uh, again, I had my first fight I think at 15, um, just like eight months after training. Um, so I, I feel like a vet. I know real vets would get upset at the fact that, that I'm 23. I'm calling myself a vet, but uh, I, I feel like I've been in this game a while, man. So fighting is almost just second nature to me. I mean, I get all that, but I, I look at guys like Diego Sanchez, who have been in this game forever, the winner of the Ultimate Fighter 1, and even he's emotional in there. You know, a lot of people use that as, as fuel, but you, I, I guess, use uh, staying calm as uh, your way of going through this. I mean, you've got a guy named the Mongolian Murderer standing across from you, and he's throwing huge shots at That's you. That's a sick nickname, man, yeah. Yeah, but you're looking at him like, you know, like, like, like I mentioned, like you're watching the news or you're watching an infomercial. It, it seems like you're, you, you're, you're not... I mean, you're so locked in, but you're so calm. Like, how are you able to utilize that calmness, and what, what allows you to stay calm during those moments? Is your, is your heart rate going like crazy, or are you, is, are you purposely shutting that down and making it so that you're, you're relaxed and breathing slowly? Yeah, Aaron, um, I think uh, it's, it's fighter-dependent for sure. Like you, you mentioned, Diego Sanchez, and it's, uh, it's all dependent on, on the fighter. Um, for me, uh, I train like I want to fight, so I train at a, at a very high pace. Um, and, and I'm used to that. Like, uh, you can only simulate the fight so much and, and drilling without, uh, hurting your partner and, and vice versa. But I train like that, man. I, I train hard and, uh, I'm calm under fire. Uh, yeah, I, I think again, it's just experience. Uh, it is fighter dependent, but if you look at the very best, they're pretty calm and composed in there, man. Um, you don't want to add, at least I, I don't want to say there's like, you never really want to do nevers in MMA. Like you never want to do this. You never want to do that. But for me, I never want to bring extra fire to the heat of battle. Like it's already fucking insane. You know, there's fists and knees and elbows flying at you. So I think uh, raising your heart rate like that isn't gonna isn't gonna do me any favors. It might help somebody else, someone like Mike Perry, who. But even and then, man, he's a, he's a calm dude too. So I think that the the high level fighters like the John Joneses, the the Cejudos, the Usman's a perfect example. Um, Rose is another example. Like these guys are cool as a cucumber out there, man. So um, they're doing something right, you know. Yeah, I was pretty amazed when uh, Usman fought Colby Covington with all the, the heat going into that fight. He, like you said, he was just totally calm. He stayed calm the whole fight week too. He didn't let anything get to him. Yeah, man. Um, I think it has to be that way. But again, each each of their own. If you're one of those guys that has to make up um, some bad blood to, to to fight, then you know, go for it. You know, we're all different. Uh, it's mixed martial arts, so it's not like a a one piece solves all. So if that's your shtick, then uh, then ride with it. You know. I was doing my uh, my the regular podcast that I do with uh, Bazooka Joe Valtellini, one of the voices of Glory. I'm sure you know who he is since you said you watch everything. Uh, but he was saying, man. he was yeah. saying, I can't wait for Molina to start adding some more power. And I was saying, I, it looked like he was hitting him with with those shots. But those shots looked pretty heavy to me. Uh, were you surprised that he was able to withstand uh, that kind of punishment in the third round? I mean, it, <clears> we saw that. I guess it was the third most ever landed in a round with 125 significant strikes. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Um, man. No, I wasn't really surprised. We knew he was tough, dude. We knew he was tough, and you know we're both fighting for opportunities to change our lives. So uh, we're gonna go out there and, and try to die on our shield. And I, I knew, man, in MMA you don't really have to hit hard. They're, don't get me wrong, punching power is a thing. Like just watch Zingano or somebody like that. Like raw punching power is a thing. But with small gloves on, man, four ounces, like the margin of error is so small. And 
I teach a kickboxing class class where I, where I preach this, but dude, a, a six-year-old girl can knock you out with four ounce gloves on if she hits you at the right spot at the right time. Like it's not about hitting a hard, um, I think I'm accurate. And, and that's what, uh, that's what floors people. That's what, um, it's the shots you don't see coming. So, um, but I, I agree with, uh, with old Joe there that, uh, I, I do need to put on a little bit more size, man. I'm 23 years old. I feel like I'm finally growing into my man body this last year and a half. And, um, I'm, I'm cutting a good amount of weight to make the flyweight limit now, man. I walk about 155, um, pretty, pretty regularly. So, um, I'm working with, uh, Bo from the PI and, and we're going to put on a little bit more size, man. But dude, I've been knocking out grown men since I was 15. So I don't think it's about hitting hard. It's, it's just about, uh, being accurate. I think we've got our headline, Jeff Molina knocked out by a six-year-old girl, but maybe we'll, we'll use that for a, for a different <laughs> uh, But you mentioned Francis Ngannou. I think you landed more strikes in that third round than Ngannou's landed in his entire UFC career. I mean, 125 significant <laughs> strikes go. in one round is pretty crazy. I mean, Let's go. <laughs> to, to yeah. have that kind of output is, is not all, all that surprising, but to do it in the, the final round of a fight, I think, is uh, something you should be very proud of. Yeah, thank you, brother. Um, man, like I said, I think I just attribute that to, uh, to training. Uh, James Krause makes us, not makes us, but tells us to train a certain way and we do it. Um, and, and that's what we have to do in order to be successful. You got to train the way you want to fight and that's what we do. And, uh, I think the third round was just an example of that, man. Um, I'm not proud of my performance really, uh, at all. Uh, the one thing I am proud of, man, that, that I will say is I'm happy, uh, I'm happy with my ability to, to make adjustments, uh, mid fight, uh, in the heat of battle. I, I think that's a very, undervalued and underrated thing in the sport um that people don't talk about but i think the highest level of fighters and not to toot my own horn i'm not calling myself the highest level of fighters um yet but they're they're able to make adjustments mid-fight in the heat of battle i'm, I'm thinking like uh, the fight that comes to mind is like the henry sudo marlon marais fight where in between the first and second he had to make an adjustment and that is very very hard to do and uh, i was able to do that man in between the first and second round and um I'm not going to take all the all the credit for that, man. Again, a lot of that goes to head coach James Krause. But literally in between the first and second round, I, I look at him. I'm like, hey, man, uh, the stuff I'm trying isn't working. Tell me what to do. And he went ahead and told me what to get rid of and what to add. Um, and I think the cameras picked it up. Uh, in, in between the first and second round, I said something along the lines. He told me to fight. And uh, after the fight, you called for the $50,000 bonus. You got the $50,000 bonus. Um, what are you planning on doing with that? I'm sure that's life-changing money for you at age 23. But uh, if you want my advice, I think you should just hand that money to James Krause and tell him to invest it for you. That guy knows what he's doing. Love it. Love <laughs> it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're, you're right on, the, on, on target there. James is a, uh, a financial wizard, man. And not, not, not just financial. He's an MMA wizard and a financial guru, right? This is, uh, we see this a lot in the sport is like, fighters don't usually come from a lot man like myself i, I don't I, I don't come from a lot um so fifty thousand dollars is is a lot of money to me and i'm sure it is to a lot of people but uh, i'm fortunate to have someone like james to, to 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 have him as a mentor and really man whatever he tells me to do with it is what i'm going to do with it i'm gonna have a talk with him and and he's a smart guy but you see this all the time with fighters man they don't realize the percentage payouts right what goes to your manager what goes to your coach what goes to taxes and they go and spend it on a watch or something that doesn't appreciate. Um, you know, I want to get passive income from this. Uh, I want longevity in this sport, and I want financial freedom from the sport. So, um, 
very, very, very fortunate to have someone like James as a friend, coach, and mentor. And uh, I'm sure we'll put it into real estate or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, just super lucky to have James as a as a mentor. Well, you didn't need my advice then. You were going to do that anyway. So, I mean, I, I take it back then. Uh, with, <laughs> no, reformation. I love it. With, with Coach Krause, though, I mean, this guy uh, is just an unbelievable coach, especially for somebody who's still an active fighter. Uh, and we're starting to see guys like Habib. He's retired now, and he's coaching guys, and he's having a lot of success. Uh, how was James able to juggle it so well, like, to, to be able to have so many different pupils uh, also do MMA, you know, as a professional fighter, still fighting in his own right, and also uh, all of the, the stuff that he's doing on the side for his real estate. I mean, you know, when he took that fight against um, Trevin Giles, he, he basically got a new contract out of it, and he said, hey, I can turn, you know, I, I do this because I can turn 75000 or whatever it is into like 300000 I, I know that I, I, I'm able to do that, so I think of it as a $300,000 payday. But how's he, how's he able to juggle so many things? Yeah, man, that's a great question, and if you ever figure it out, let me know, man. Like <laughs> he is the hardest working guy, and he's just so. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he realizes. I'm sure he does, but he's man. I look up to him so fucking much, dude. Like that man, just his work ethic. Uh, man, I I want to be like him when I grow up. You know, like he is the man. Um, but as far as from a coaching aspect, I, I think it's because he's taken um, he's put his career on a backseat for for the guys. And, and he's okay with that. He, he gets more enjoyment from coaching than fighting, which is crazy to say because he's a damn good coach. But talking about him as a, as a person and, and a coach, he, this is a guy that leads from example, man. This is a guy that's taking fights on a week's notice, 48 hours notice, 24 hours notice. And and he's leading from – dude, this, this guy does practice, teaches the practices, does all the live rounds every day, twice a day. On top of all the stuff he's doing um, with business out, outside of the gym, and then he's cornering every weekend in Vegas at the Apex. Like, he's he's got two kids and and he's spending time away from his family for for us, man. And I, I'm very grateful that that he cares that much about us and is willing to uh, spend his time helping us and, and trying to change our lives, man. And um, James Krause has definitely helped change my life. And you know, uh, again, super grateful. But I, just from a coaching aspect, man, I think you have to give James Coach of the Year. It's only it's only May. Or we're about to be in May. Um, but I, I really don't see any other argument. Maybe you Trevor Whitman. But this guy isn't like – I've always had trouble taking advice from someone that, that doesn't practice what they preach, right? Like um, like if you had like an overweight personal trainer, like <laughs> that just doesn't make sense, man. And James is not that guy. He leads, he leads the pack from the front and – I really don't think there's anyone like him in MMA. Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. I mean, especially, like we mentioned, he's just wearing so many hats all the time. Uh, the guy just works so hard. Uh, I, I know you had said that 2020 was your best year. You had uh, earned the awards from the, the Glory uh, Gym. You were teammate of the year, most improved fighter of the year. I'm guessing now 2021 is on pace to beat that year based on, based on, on the early gains so far? Yeah, let's go, man. Uh, you always strive to do better, right? Um, you never want to do worse than before. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I want to stay active this year, man. This was a pretty long layoff, and it wasn't my choice. Yeah, I was initially scheduled for November. I signed that contract the day after Contender Series. That fell through because uh, of COVID, and then uh, same thing happened in January. So the this camp was uh, long and, and was very long and, and a hard camp, probably the toughest camp I've ever had. Um just dealing with 
stuff that comes in this fight game. So, yeah, I want to stay active, though. Um, I'm going to get a couple injuries checked out, but if not, none of that's serious, then I, I want to stay active and, and get another award uh, this upcoming year. And teammate of the year, what makes you the teammate of the year? I mean, I, I imagine you're going to downplay it because somebody who's a good teammate is very humble. But uh, what are the different things that, that you did that helped you earn that award last year from the gym? Man, I'm the best teammate in the world. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, man, uh, I really, really, really enjoy coaching um, and, and helping my teammates out, man. Playing a, a small role in, in, in their, their careers and, and their livelihoods. Um, I don't think people realize how, how serious even our amateurs take this. You know, they're shooting for – they remind me a lot of myself. Like, and, I, and it sounds weird to say because, again, I'm only 23, but I was always the young guy in the gym. And now I got people in the gym that are younger than me, and, and they're going through the same things I once went through, and they're having the same thoughts that I once had. And it's really cool to be able to – I'm not sure if it means anything to them, but it means something to me, uh, maybe uh, being able to tell them – uh, and talking through certain things that they're going through and 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 just kind of showing a man like it's very doable you know I'm not anything special man I'm not the most athletic guy but I do pride myself in working very fucking hard and with my teammates man any small role I can help in their careers um, it just means a lot to me man it, it means a lot and I, and selfishly I get better from coaching you know uh, I, I'm forced to break down technique and, and be able to explain it in different ways until someone, until it clicks with them. So I get better from coaching. And then uh, selfishly, I also get a lot of enjoyment from having a small role in these guys' careers and, and watching them be successful. And finally, before I let you go, you uh, were at Universal Studios I saw the other day, and now you're in Miami, you'd mentioned. So well, tell me about this, the Jeff Molina, Florida experience that you're having uh, post uh, UFC 261. <laughs> Man, uh, I, we kind of talked off camera about this, but uh, I've always wanted to, there's three things I want for fighting. I want financial freedom. Uh, two is I want to be able to travel the world on the UFC's dime and spend it with my teammates, coaches, family, experiencing different cultures, food, just stuff I, I never was able to do uh, growing up. And then third would be a, a world championship. So I'm doing number two right now. Um, and it's, it's awesome, man. I'm having some good food. I'm, I'm, I'm going to Universal Studios, doing things I've never done before. We just got to Miami last night, so uh, I've never been here. Um, so we're going to go to the beach, um, have some good food, and, and just have a good time, man. I'm back in town uh, Friday night, and I'll be in the gym uh, Saturday morning. Well, if you like seafood, hit up the Rustic Inn. It's about 25 minutes from you, and uh, great seafood. It's, it'll cost you a bit. but I The mean, Rustic you, you Inn, the, you said? Yeah, but you won the bonus, so, you know, indulge in some, some golden crab and, <laughs> uh, and, and just, you know, keep, you know, put your feet up. Yeah, yeah, right on. All right, thanks for this, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Nice to meet you, and uh, best of luck uh, on all your future endeavors. I know you said you wanted to be ranked this year. I think it's a lot closer than you think. <laughs> Probably one more fight. If I'm surprised you're not ranked already, but uh, congratulations to you, and uh, all the best success for you in 2021. Oh, man. Thank you, brother. It was a pleasure meeting you. A huge thank you to all of our guests on this week's show. Rory McDonald, Dominic Reyes, Cub Swanson, Benil Dariush, Mirab Dawalashvili, KB Buller, and Jeff Molina. A stacked show as we bring you each week. And as I ask you each week, it's not much. It, doesn't, it takes just a minute of your time. And if you listen to this show, it's about 90 minutes. So take that. You take one ninetieth of the amount of time that it took to listen to the show, unless you speed it up like I do, in which case maybe it took you 45 minutes, maybe it took you an hour. Either way, it'll take you less time to do this one thing, which is 
rate, review the show. You can do that on iTunes or wherever you get this podcast. We always appreciate the feedback, appreciate the kind words, and that's all we ask for in return. So uh, please do that, and uh, I will be forever grateful to you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with more interviews for you to enjoy in the world of mixed martial arts. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.